Good morning, everyone. Good morning, Miss Ashley. Thank you for your enthusiasm this morning. Today, we are going to learn about Abraham and Isaac. Abraham loved God very much, and he knew that God would be faithful to provide him with a son as he promised. When Isaac was finally born, Abraham loved Isaac very much. But imagine Abraham's shock when God asked him to sacrifice the son that he loved. How could God do something like that? But despite this, Abraham got up very early one morning with his son and traveled to the land of Moriah, where God commanded him to sacrifice his son. When they got close to the place, Abraham and Isaac left the servants and Isaac asked his father, well, where is the lamb for the sacrifice? Abraham just said, God will provide. Abraham was ready to obey God when the angel of the Lord appeared and said, stop, don't lay a hand on your son. For I know how much you fear God and would not even spare your only child. So Abraham saw a ram that God had provided for the sacrifice. God loved Abraham very much. As much as Abraham loved Isaac, he proved that he loved God more. God wants us to have faith in him and doesn't want us to love anything or anyone more than we love him. No pressure now, hey? Wow. <laughs> thanks, to the, thanks to the team who did that. That's a lot of work um, that goes on behind the scenes to make that happen. So all this, um, all this great artwork, actually, by the way, for, the, for our next series, which, is, which starts today. Uh, Sunday School Rebooted. It's all those, all those classic stories that we remember as kids growing up. Uh, for, for those of you at least who were, who were in church when you were growing up, it's okay. Um, but there's, these are, all these pictures are essentially out of the... You remember the old Good News Bible, the ones that they used to uh, teach from? I think, I think it was every, every church, every Sunday, that seemed to be the thing. So uh, all, all, those, all those photos and all those images and stuff are straight out of there. And uh, just thanks to the team for... Um, for doing that. Just uh, a quick reminder, uh, we're going to have communion at the end of this morning's sermon. If you didn't uh, collect it on the way, it's just up, up on the table uh, at the back there and you can grab that uh, at some point before we do it. Uh, like I said, new series. Uh, and, but here's the challenge. We, we want to be people who, who don't just settle for a message that says like, well, we should just trust God and have faith. We, we want to go deeper than that. We want to actually read God's word and understand it and the reason I guess I share this story, why of all days do I share a story like this one and the answer is because as a kid it terrified me that's that's why I'm doing it um, and I guess I guess even even though we, we know that there's there's this God and we should trust him there's still this question in the back of our mind about what sort of God allows this sort of stuff to happen like on, on what level did, did God think this was a good idea? We, we, we always have these, you know, these questions as kids. But I want to tell you, church, that as, as we work through the difficult stories, as we work through the, 
the hard ones, it's usually in the hard ones that we come to understand that there's a God who cares passionately for us. It's usually in the hard ones where we, where we aren't quite sure what's going on that we come to understand just what, what trust and reliance actually look like. And um, so we've got to wrestle with the hard ones because when, when famous atheists like Dawkins come out and call, call this cosmic child abuse, the, the implication being it's completely unreasonable to follow a God who does this sort of thing, we've got to understand it. And we've got, to, we've got to wrestle with it. Now, I just want to apologise uh, straight away. I would love to spend a couple of weeks on this story, and I'm pretty sure that each one of these sermons could be a, could be a couple of weeks. We just can't cover the complexity of all the issues that come up out of them. So here's your challenge. Research them for yourselves. Research them for yourselves. Talk about them in your small groups. Talk about them over a coffee with your friends over a coffee out here after church. Um, there's, there's your challenge. Now, first thing I want to say, if, if you read just that story of the Bible, you're going to get a very unrealistic idea of who God is. You're not going to get the big picture. We've got, we've got to remember that in the bigger picture, Abraham is a man who has been called by God for a specific reason. And, I, and what we notice over the course of 40, 50, 60 years, this faith that doesn't really seem to work so much all of a sudden grows and grows. And much like, much like ours, his faith grows. It has its ups and downs. Now, God, God promises him land. He promises him, him that all the nations will be, will be blessed by through his family. He promises him descendants. And God keeps on promising and keeps on promising until over the course of 20 Years or more, finally we have this son. Now, I want you to get this because this is important. The, the son is the embodiment of all of God's... All of God's promises are reliant on this child. Now, the, the, the passage simply begins with verse 1. Some time later, God tested Abraham's faith. This, this whole story has to be read in the context of a committed loving connection, a committed, loving covenant between God and Abraham. These two know each other very, very, very well. And God has always come through for him, hasn't he? God's always come through. But all of God's promises hinge on this, on this, on this child. Now, I... I think all of us could understand that the, the implication of, of this would be that when we have something very, very precious, what do we do? We put it in cotton wool and we hold it very, very closely. That's what we do. And I, I think all of us can understand what Abraham must be thinking about this son. Here's, here's the big lesson of this passage. It's easy to say and it takes a lifetime to get right. Faith means learning to live with your hands open. There's, you know, you guys love my police story, so here's another one. Um, there's, there's uh, many, 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 many years ago in the land, far, and it doesn't matter. Um, so many years ago, as a police officer, there was a, we got called to this to this car accident, and it sounded pretty serious on the way there. But we, you get there, and the cars are right off. The guy's got a bump on his head, but but he's all right. Okay, he's he, he's okay apart from the bump on his head. 
But the problem is, is that he's, he's, he's holding the steering wheel and he's still got this sort of look. He has this look of determination. I'm sorry for those guys you know, with the camera right there. Um, He's got this look of determination on his face and he's not engaging with anybody else around him. He's he's not trapped, but he is trapped in a sense. He's he's holding on just in absolute determination. And we try our best to negotiate with this guy. Hey, look, man, we're we're here to help. The ambulance is here to help. It's going to be all right. You're not trapped. Something in his brain had frozen and there there was no getting out. He was stuck there, focused on that, on that thing. We could not... We had to pry his fingers off the wheel to get him to help. Now, I'm getting old. I can't remember who the car belonged to, but I'm pretty sure it wasn't his. Um, the implication being that, that he was holding on to something so tight that he didn't own in the first place. And it's the same concept here. I, th- I think God, I think God is, is asking Abraham to be ready to give up the, the, the thing that you think is the most important thing that you've got, I want you to be willing to give it up for something even better. Something even better is on... Is, is on the something better is a deeper, more... a deeper connection with the God who is the source of all the good things. But that can, and that connection with God is, 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 is always there... But what happens over our lives is, is that all the stuff that God gives clouds the relationship, doesn't it? And I think it's a sinful nature. Right? I think it's just us that, that, that we get those things messed up. We get too attached to things. We get, we get our motivations twisted. And over time, God will inevitably lead some of us up a mountain where he asks us to, to live with open hands. To let go of the things that, that, to think about what really matters, I think is probably probably what I want to say. Now, sometimes God does this in in our circumstances. Sometimes it's opportunities for us to do this in our lives. I was just thinking this week about solitude. Solitude is a a good way of doing this. I was thinking this morning, actually, about the XCC, the Men's Extreme Character Challenge. Get get up a, a mountain for three or four days challenge yourself. That, that was very much a time for me of letting all the things that don't matter go. So, that, so these things do happen. And by the way, there's a group of guys heading up there, I think, in eight, six to eight weeks' time. So if you're interested, that's a, that's a really worthwhile uh, investment. Some, some of the things that, that, that could have too much value, it, it could be our qualifications. It could be our... Um, our connections, our advisors, our, our bank account. Like for, like for this one, it could be those things that are God-given that we hold on to too, too tight to. It could be a child. It could be a parent. It could be a, just, just a relationship. It could be like this one. It could be, it could be a dream. Something that you think God is going to use you for and it's just not working. A job, a skill... Any one of those things that, that, that God has given, but sometimes it becomes more important than the God who gave it to you. Do you get what I mean? And I think Corrie Ten Boom gets it right. She simply just says, hold on to everything in your hands lightly, otherwise it hurts when God pries your fingers off. Um, 
This, this story has to be read in the context of, of that. It's a, it's a brutal example of, of reminding us of the importance of living in a way where we have open hands to God. And you know what? Let's, let's, just, let's just call it the way it is. It hurts. It doesn't it? It hurts when God takes our fingers off things. I think for many of us in the last six months and 12 months, many of us have, have experienced that in different ways. Um, but can I just tell you that, that when God does that, he offers something that is so much better. So much better. Second point. Uh, I've only got two points. That's all I've got time for. Faith provides opportunities to teach what matters. Whenever I read this story, I'm, I, I am stunned. I am stunned by... by <laughs> Abraham's got a moment where his heart's broken, but he has the foresight to get up the next day, and off he goes. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Verse 3, the next morning, Abraham got up early, saddled his donkey, took two of his servants with him along with his son, Isaac. He just gets going. Verse 5 continues. They get, to, they get to the bottom of the mountain. He tells the servants, stay here with the donkey. The boy and I will travel a bit further. We will worship and we will come back. Man, talk about faith. Wow. That's, that, that, is, that is the epitome of holding on to God's promises, believing that God's got this. Right? And one of the things I've, that, that I must have missed in, in, in Sunday school was it's, it's probably very, very likely that, I, that, that Isaac is not a, a, a little kid. It's, um, I, I always assumed that he was about three or four. I just, I just always had that thought. But when you get this, uh, you know, verse uh, six says Abraham carries carries the wood up the back of up on his back up the hill, which is probably the most, which is probably the steepest part of the of the hill. Um, many of the many of the commentators say that the volume of wood for a sacrifice is quite significant. It is quite likely that he is 15, 20, maybe even thirty, which sort of blew my mind a little bit. But you know what's amazing? At the top of, top, top, of, top of a mountain, in verse 9, it just says, he tied his son Isaac and laid him on the wood. Now, you can t- I think you can understand that there's got to be tears at this point, right, from, from, from Dad. But what there's not is there's no indication of, of this game of hide-and-seek going on at the top of the mountain. There's no indication of, of Isaac running away. It, it is, it's just a picture of complete... Surrender, isn't it? And I think I think on some deeper level, it's actually a, it's actually a, it's actually your father teaching his son that surrender to God's the only way to go. Now, I wonder what happens on the three days home. It's not in the Bible. I wonder what happens on the on the walk home. I wonder whether Abraham becomes that doting, annoying dad that just has his arm around his son for three days. Just come here, you know. I wonder, I wonder if he becomes that, that father who just watches his son like a hawk from that moment on. I, I wonder whether, whether that's what happens or not. But the, what, what has been resolved is the test. 
despite all of the things that Abraham, despite how much Abraham must love this boy, the test has answered this. There's always one I love more. And that is hard to do. We, I don't think it's a mistake we read this on Father's Day. We, we don't live in a perfect world and I know many of us grew up, in, grew up with a, a messed up idea of fatherhood. A messed up idea of, you know, just, we, we just didn't learn the lessons we needed to do from, from our father sometimes. And I, I draw great strength from, there's, there's, you know, Psalm, I think it's Psalm 68. God is described as a father to the fatherless. Now there is some complexity to that, to that title that is just amazing. There, there, there is nothing better, regardless of who you are and regardless of what your journey of life has been, than resting in that idea that God is a father to you, a perfect father. Now, I, I would love to take some time this morning as a, as a dad to unpack what this looks like um, for, for dads. I haven't got time. I'm really sorry. Let me just, let me just summarise it, I guess, in a, in a big picture thing for all the parents here. Of all the lessons we can teach our kids... Of all the, and it doesn't matter how much we love them, the most important lesson we can teach our kids is there's always one I love more than you. And it's so important that our kids see that in us as parents. It's so important that our kids see that in our priorities. It's so important that our kids see that lived out practically. And maybe even in a world that, that teaches our kids that, you can, that their, value is, their value and their worth is determined by how much stuff they can hold on to, we as godly parents teach them to live with their hands open. Now, it's, pro- it's a good chance. I, let's, let's just call Abraham 120 for the, for the, sake, of the, for the sake of the exercise and, and call Isaac 20. As I, as I was praying about this during the week, here's, here's the message I felt like God wanted me, to, wanted me to give you. It doesn't matter how, how old you are. The job of a, the job of a father, the job of a, of a parent is never finished. Ever. You've got years to make a difference to your kids and to your family and to your church and to your community and to, your, to everybody that you have influence with, it doesn't matter how old you are. Make today count. I was just thinking this morning about love to have more of us blokes out in the kids' section. That's, that would be cool. Can I? It doesn't matter. Uh, make today count. If we're going to be those sort of parents who, and those sort of dads who have that sort of influence and teach our kids what matters, make today count. And maybe you've messed up. Maybe you made mistakes. Maybe you think that you've gone too far and it never worked. And I want to tell you, you've got it. You've got, while you still have breath in your lungs, you've got an opportunity. Make it count. How do we learn to live with our hands open? How do we do that? How do we learn to live in, in, a, in that state of surrender? The, the answer is quite simple. We look to Jesus. Now, 
you might wonder, Steve, how do we get to Jesus from here? How do we get to Jesus from this story of all the stories? And can I tell you that there is a parallel between this and what Jesus would do in every single detail. Let me just share some of them with you. You can't read this story about a father taking his son up a hill whom he loved without thinking about another father who took his son up a hill. You can't think about a son who carried wood up the hill for the sacrifice without thinking about a a son who would carry that wooden cross up a hill to be the sacrifice. You can't think about a ram caught in thorns without thinking about Jesus caught in a crown of thorns. You can't think about a son in surrender to his father without Jesus saying, not my will but yours be done. Every single aspect of this story leads us to the cross. Um, Here's the amazing thing. Mount Moriah, it's a seemingly irrelevant detail. The, The Mount Moriah mentioned here, there's a photo of it today up on the screen. That's where it is. It's the exact location where King Solomon one day would build the temple. The temple, the place where over history people would bring a sacrifice and make a sacrifice so they could be made right with God becomes the place where Jesus would come to be the sacrifice, where finally there is peace with God, where finally there is surrender. You can't, the the place where the curtain was torn in two, the connection between God and mankind restored, You can't read this story about a son spared by God without thinking about the son who wasn't spared by God. So finally, there could be peace with God. Um, Because of Jesus' sacrifice, our sin can be washed away. Our mistakes, our past, the things we got wrong can be gone. There's new life there. When we we look to the cross, we see a God who not only did what was necessary to save us, but went above and beyond that. He, He went so far that he was willing to give everything for us so that we would never have to do anything apart from live with our hands open. We've got to learn that lesson. I think I think it's remarkable that Maybe the most significant thing... I just thought of this this morning as I was driving here. We often think about this story as being a a story of great faith. And it is. It is a a story about incredible faith on Abraham's part. But what it is really a story about is about God's faithfulness to us. That's what it's about. Romans 8, 32 says this. Since God did not even spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else we need? Won't, in response to that sort of love, we choose to live with our hands open? In response to that sort of love, we choose to live with our minds open. We choose to live with our hearts open to that sort of God. Um, 
Two questions. What are you holding on to? What are you holding on to? And how much more of himself would God give if we learnt to live with open hands? We're going to spend this morning, um, ending this morning's service, just by, just by sharing in communion. Because there's no greater, no greater place we can be at than to celebrate what Jesus has done for each and every one of us. Would you join me in prayer as we, as we just quiet our minds and, become, and just come before God? Let's have the, the words of that old hymn in my, in my mind. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. Take my silver and my gold. Take my hands, take my feet, take, take everything else I've got. Not a mite will I withhold. That's got to be the, the, the hardest sentence in that song. Not a mite will I withhold. Oh, you want to... But we want, to, we want to be people who, who live like that. We want to be people who um, we thank you, God, that every story of your word directs us to the foot of the cross, that every detail brings us to there. Lord, as we, um, as we just bring our minds to you this morning, as we stop and we, and we put aside the things of this week, God, we ask that you might help us to be people who don't withhold anything from you. We don't ever want to be people who withhold anything from you. I think, um, I think Abraham had, to, had to, be that, to come to that place where he realised it, it was all yours anyway. Everything was yours anyway. God, we're gonna, we, we want to come there this morning. Come, come to your throne, come to the foot of the cross, to kneel, to, to, to live with our hands open. But God, it needs your, your help to get us there. Lord, today we ask that, um, that as we turn our minds to the cross, that you might consecrate the bread and the juice that we have nicely prepackaged right in front of us. God, that we might receive the spiritual benefits of Christ's broken body and his shed blood. We turn our minds this morning to Calvary. Amen.